Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers postgame show. I am Johnny Nani. I've got Ron Woos with me tonight to break down a Blackhawks 3-2 overtime loss to the Nashville Predators. Uh, but before we do, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate it. So, Ronald, uh, first of all, how are you doing tonight, my man? Doing pretty good, man. I, um, you know, I wanted to find a silver lining. You know, we called it the season of silver linings. Tonight's it was a little hard. I guess there was one, you know, but it's one that might still lead to another confusing question. So maybe that's why I'm not as excited about it. But um, otherwise, I'm good and I'm looking forward. Uh, as always, Johnny, it's been a, a couple of uh, nights now since you and I have been on the mic together. So. It's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. And I th- the last time, like you were talking about the silver linings, or the, yeah, the last episode that you and I did together, um, which you were just referring to, was called Silver Linings. But that will not be the case tonight. I'm calling this one strictly inevitable. Because when you go and look at some of these figures that I will spout off in a little bit, uh, the Blackhawks losing this game, uh, Predators getting back into it, and uh, you know back on top in the score column was inevitable tonight. So uh, initial thoughts from this game, Ron, go ahead and fire away. Uh, the only silver lining I was hinting at is uh, Malcolm Subban played an actually pretty good game um, overall, despite the losing effort. And I think that's... A confusing question, and I'll get into that later uh, once we uh, recap this thing. But that's that's my initial takeaway. I agree that I think Subban was probably the best Blackhawks overall player in this game uh, tonight when we're getting into him here. Uh, 36 of 39, for good for a 9.23 save percentage, uh, 8 of 8 on power play chances. So uh, he came up big there, had a couple of helps from the post there, but um, what goalie doesn't every once in a while. Um so my big takeaway, though, uh, when we're going initial thoughts here is chasing the game, uh, despite having the lead early um, and then having uh, another lead uh, later in the second period, you were still chasing this game from a possession standpoint. And uh, one ugly one that I just brought up before we uh, jumped on here, Ron, overall, uh, when you go on natural stat trick, look at the scoring chances for overall. So I know Nashville had more power plays, so this that kind of inflates it a little bit, but the scoring chances 40 to 16 in favor of Nashville, 12 to 5 in favor of Nashville when it comes to high danger chances. So um, anytime you do that, uh, the result will likely be inevitable and you're going to be chasing the game. So that's my initial takeaway. I think we can get in, uh, jump in and break this thing down. So in the first period, uh, like we'd mentioned, Blackhawks got off to a lead here. Uh, It was on the power play. Uh, Seven straight game with the power play goal, Ron. That is impressive. Uh, Blackhawks power play is red hot right now. Um, It was a Kubelik shot. Shaw uh, found the rebound, um, come out behind him in front of the net, shuffled it over to Strom uh, pretty creatively, and he buried it, made no mistake about it. 1-0 Hawks here. Sean Kubelik on the assist there, obviously. Uh, Thoughts on the Hawks power play so far? That is definitely a bright spot here if we're talking silver linings. Absolutely. Bright spot that it is... um... Yeah, I mean, they've been super efficient. It felt like this year um, there's less standing around with uh, just holding on to the puck. I think it actually been you that brought that up, or maybe it was uh, Patrick Kamiski. But nonetheless, you know, it feels like now if, hey, as soon as I get the puck, if I don't see the shooting lane, I'm passing it. We're moving it. We're moving it. We're moving it. And the, that movement has created more opportunities um, for this you know, power play group, and that's why they've been hammering it home. Uh, 
what, the longest streak since uh, 1990, I believe, when they were, I believe, 11 straight to start the season with a power play goal. So, you know, it's got to make you feel good as, a, as an organization when you know you're going you're gonna to be in a down year. You know, at least early in this season, this power play is at least kind of carrying you through some games and at least getting you points like they did in this one. Good points there around. And uh, after this, um, I guess this is still the uh, decent stretch of the game for the Blackhawks. Wasn't too out of hand when it comes chances wise. Predators maybe looked a little bit disorganized uh, early going, but uh, the fourth line, got to give them credit because you go and look at that. They were one of the best possession lines uh, in that first period, and uh, they, they were applying pressure against the Preds' top line. So that is taking away scoring chances from the guys that are most likely to score for the other team. And then even though they don't really have the finishing capability that other lines, the Blackhawks do, uh, when you spend time away from your net minder, it's always welcomed. And then uh, Kershaw, man, that kid is a high motor player. Um, I counted at least three forced turnovers tonight. So I really like what I saw from him. I'm just bringing that up because one of those first instances came uh, on a zone keeping early in this game uh, within the first period here. So um, after that, though, the Preds did start to uh, come back, uh, get a little bit of surge on uh, Malcolm Subban ended up having to make 17 saves in the first period. So uh, the Blackhawks were outshot 17 to eight, like I mentioned in the first. Uh, but th- that was a really solid period for Malcolm Subban. So I got to give credit where it's due because I have been notoriously crapping on him ever since he was signed to that two-year contract extension. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> you're not the only one that's currently beating that drum. Um, yeah, I, I, I got to give absolutely where credit credit. You know, it was all Subban tonight. I mean, we mentioned it at the top of the show. The only real bright spot was him in that he he put up a good performance. You know, the 923 uh, safe percentage is certainly an indication of that. So. Um, you know, was really had actually some high hopes that it was like, oh, wow, have they found two goalies? Like, is this the first time that they're going to feel like the Columbus situation where you have, you know, Merce Lincolns and Corpus Allo, um, where they've, they're still young and they're like up and coming and ooh, there's some double talent there and they got them both on nice contracts. You never know. So I, I appreciated his effort as a Hawks fan because, you know, they, again, like you said, they, they had some chances in that first period. The fourth line, Kurashev specifically, um, like you said, just high motor. I like him. I mean, he, he's got that two-way awareness that you want in a guy that can play both the center and the wing spot, can play in kind of your, you know, middle six, um, third line, but middle six isn't too terrible. And he, he creates good things for you. So that's... You know, like you said, that's that's definitely the takeaway of the first. And unfortunately, um, like you said, inevitable um, <laughs> is kind of where that momentum started going that late in that first into that second. Yeah. So as we get into the second period here early on, there's a Zadorov turnover and then uh, the post uh, bails him out uh, and Subban then and then Subban was able to cover up. So that bailed him out. Um, just a thought on Zadorov. He's both good and bad. There's some that are just really, really bad turnovers uh, where he gets stripped by the puck or he just makes the soft play. I think you and I were discussing one of those on a previous episode, Ron. And yeah. The then there's other ones where his length is really key in blocking a shot. So it's like, what do you do with this guy? Do you trust him enough to have him out there um, in the crunch time situations? And that wasn't the case tonight, because although he did have some good plays early, like I mentioned, to uh, kind of counterbalance uh, some of the really bad, um, he was not on the ice later in the third period. But we'll get to that. That was just a, a noticeable thing that I had early on. Uh, eventually, Camp takes a penalty. Uh, you know, Carpenter hits post on a two-on-one break-in. Um, Hawks eventually 
eventually killed that one. Uh, speaking of the penalty kill here, four for four tonight on the PK. So I know there was an instance that we'll get to uh, where uh, it's actually just coming up uh, that the Predators scored not long after, but I guess that's uh, helping the PK stats there uh, after a little bit of a rough stretch uh, in the intermediate going there uh, from the end of the Florida series to uh, the beginning of the Detroit series and now uh, back to spotless tonight technically, but then uh, it was short-lived after that um, the penalty was killed because uh, Yakov Trenin sounds like the next Nashville Predators name. I'm going to hate big time uh, strips, <laughs> strips Nikita Zadorov and uh, beats Malcolm Subban for a one, one tie here. Um, I just, as I look at this and think about Zadorov, do you, do you have any thoughts on him and what to, the hell to do with him here? Well, like you said, he's like good and bad. And <clears throat> that play, I think, you know, good for Yakov Trenin, you know, getting the goal. But to me, that was more of an unacceptable turnover by Zadorov. Like, I was like, ugh. I was like, you can't make that play there, dog. Like, you're experienced enough. Like, he's, he's like, ugh. you know what he's like right now to me? He's the junior starter on varsity. That was like just good enough to beat out the senior, but isn't like a superstar or like a star yet, or like found his key role. He's just kind of like figuring out what he can do still and like where his potential is. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of, I don't want to call it frustrating because again, this is a season of growth, but it's just like, he's like you said, he's good and bad. Some nights he looks fantastic. You know, that one night when he racked up what 11 hits or whatever it was. And he was all over the ice, and he was playing in big minutes, and it was great. But, like, tonight, he didn't hit anybody tonight. He had one block. He was a minus two. And, like you said, he rode the bench in that third period, only accumulating 18 minutes in about 40 seconds. That's going to fluctuate as numbers come in officially. But, um, you know, that's that's all he played tonight with almost three minutes of that being shorthanded. So they still had to trust him enough to get him out there shorthanded because Lord knows they wouldn't throw one of the youngsters out there shorthanded. Um, Carlson or Mitchell, who neither one of them played power play time, and Mitchell technically played eight seconds on the PK, but outside of that, neither one of them really played. So, and Mitchell was also a minus one because he was on the ice for that OT winner uh, that we're going to get to here shortly. But um, yeah, so weird night, but um, I agree with you that that he's good and bad right now. I think he's gonna figure it out this season. I think this is a big turning point for his career. And then at least that benchmarks some of what he should be paid and what he thinks he wants to get paid. And then the, the organization can make a money decision with him at that point, uh, if they, whether or not they see him as a part of the future or not. So um, I hope he figures it out because when he's good, he's like in some ways kind of like a baby Tyler Myers before the like penalty craze came into his life. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know like, how much I ragging on that yeah i know you do and then but like or even like i don't want to call him baby chara but maybe maybe a baby chara later in his career now where he's you know he's not the offensive threat he once was but is still just you know able to still step up and make enough plays to be good um is kind of what i would see out of a zadora zadora to at least earn him a chance to be with this team in the future because even on a really good team he's a nice like four or five um, you know, I, I would say probably more so five than a four, but, uh, that's just my, my thoughts on that. He, he's a confusing player. There's a lot of the guys on this roster to me that are kind of confusing players, uh, that we're learning so much about in this, you know, as we mentioned, kind of interesting season in terms of roster development. 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way that you describe that with the guy who the junior who beat out, you know, the spot on varsity. Um, I, I think that whole comparison is kind of uh, interesting. That's what that's what it feels like. Uh, and it, I guess it just sucks uh, for Blackhawks fans because, I, you know, me, I always look at what they're being paid, what your production is. Um, what's he at? Like three, a little over three million here. So um, you would expect some more. Uh, from that so um the just where, where i'm at with it but he was the one uh the culprit uh, on that first nashville goal to tie this thing at one so like i mentioned trennan burying that uh, after he blows past the door off and uh stripped him so that was one one tie at this point and this is where uh, as i'd mentioned earlier where the chances going very heavily in favor of nashville this is where the trend started uh you go and look at this natural stat trick uh, uh you know kind of game flow chart that they have and in that early stage of the second period is where it just shoots up uh, all in favor of the Nashville Predators here. So um, my uh, kind of uh, tagline for this episode, inevitable, um, that that goal was. And then um, luckily the Blackhawks got a little bit of luck even after they were completely dogging it um, here in the middle of the second period. Uh, Yanmark picks off a pass from Matt Duchesne. He pretty much telegraphed it. And Ellis didn't even want the pass at the point. He had sent it, set it to the other point. But either way, Yanmark picks it off, makes a nice play on it, drives in, goes and beats Pecorine on the, I believe, blocker side there. So uh, that put the Hawks up two to one uh, at this point. Uh, Ron, a couple of things on this one. Um, first of all, you need to give a shout out to Sandra Muir on Twitter because she responded to Four Feathers here and said, was it just me or did this feel like a shorthanded goal at the end of a 10 minute penalty kill? And I agree with her 100%. That's exactly what it felt like to me. Uh, she put it into words there. So thank you, Sandra, um, for saying that. But that's really what it felt like, as I was talking about with all these chances here. And then the other thing that was funny about this was Pat Foley calling Jan Mark Jan Croak uh, from the you know, he's an in- injured forward there, uh, Cal- Callie Yarn Croak. Um, he had said that when he was, you know, Jan Mark was breaking in. But, um, you know, a little confusion for Mr. Foley. A little, a little tough since he can't be at the rink. But, um, hey, this is three third straight goal uh, with a game for uh, Matias Yanmark, and he said he wanted to revitalize his offensive touch here in Chicago. So good to see this from him, Ron. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's funny because um, I was actually on the phone briefly with a uh, fellow, you know, Four Feathers panelist, Mr. Tony Marchese, and we were we were talking about that after Yanmark scored. We're like, oh, man, we're like, that's amazing. But we heard the yard croak thing, and I was like, did he just call him Kelly Yardcroke? And Tony's like, yeah, I think he did. And we started laughing because it was just, like you said, just such a great Pat Foley moment. But it's not even a rag on him. It's just it adds to the, the charm that is the man that calls the Blackhawks games on television. So um, it was just, it was perfect. And uh, we enjoyed it. But yeah, it would, be, it would be so much different if he was there at the game. You know, he's, it's one of those things you're in your element more. It's, it's hard to, you know, be in that zone when you need to be in that zone. So yeah. Um, but, hey, yeah, like you said, they got a little bit of puck luck, and it's nice to get that every once in a while, and they take that team one lead into, into the third period. But as you mentioned, it was inevitable. It was inevitable. I Just really quick while we're still on that Yarn Krog thing, I like it how um... – Eddie O will always call out like, oh, hey, we're not here in the building. So it's nice. You know, he lets the you know, listeners and uh, viewers know uh, what's going on with their setup there. But he'll like rag in uh, on him when when there's a, you know, oh, we only control one camera in Nashville, yada, yada, when it's a road game. And he'll be like, oh, well, I guess the camera guy didn't pick that up when a guy was driving to the net and he wanted to show how he, you know, shifted around a, a defender or something like that. So, uh, you know, fully, he could have easily said, oh, you know, we're not near and yada, yada, and made excuses. But he just rolls with the punch. 
launches. So thought that was pretty funny uh, just from a broadcast standpoint. Moving on, though, uh, fourth line pressure again. If there's one positive here uh, from an offensive standpoint, um, besides, you know, Yen Mark scoring the power play, keeping it going. Uh, fourth line, like I mentioned, uh, they, they were applying some pressure, uh, really scrumming around the net. Unfortunately, it wouldn't go through there at the end of the second to get this lead up to two. Um, Soderbergh's eventually called for hooking, um, but then uh, Kunin for Nashville negates that by taking a hooking call on Dehan uh, with a little under a minute left to go on that power play. Uh, nothing came out of those um, power play chances for either side. Um, and then uh, Mitchell only had 7-10 time on ice through two periods, 11 shifts uh, through those 40 minutes. Uh, you could tell it was just a sheltered game, and we will get to more uh, of how that went down here in the third period. So uh, Preds pressing a little bit early, but maybe not as much as uh, you know the mid-stages of the second. Um, Camp had a nice opportunity uh, fairly early on, kind of drove through a few defenders, took it strong to the net. Um, once again, like I said, fourth line showing up here. So um, definitely one of the most dependable units for Jeremy Collin there, even though they don't get uh, the massive amounts of ice time like the top guns do. So uh, Subban uh, continued some strong stops here. Uh, and then Ian Mitchell takes a penalty. Um, it was a close play on the doorstep. Um, but uh, he, he you know, tied up his guy going to the net. So uh, he goes to the box. Luckily, once once again, uh, Blackhawks were able to uh, kill off the penalty. A couple of really nice stops uh, by Subban on uh, that power play. So props to him there, like I mentioned. Perfect eight for eight um, while shorthanded. And then um, not long after that, though, um, Cousins sets up Granlin right in the slot after the Hawks couldn't clear it. Uh, tied us the game at 2-2. Ron, uh, I know it was not technically um, while Nashville was on the power play, but it might as well have been because uh, it was inevitable, and that's the theme for the show. Yeah, it's like they just squeaked out of it to keep the power play 0-4 for tonight for the Predators, but it was more or less a power play goal. It, you know, I felt like the man, you know, the guy's just getting out of the box. Like he's he's not even at the blue line yet when that puck goes in. I mean, that's what it felt like on that play. So, ironically, a guy that I I wrote about earlier in the off season that the guy the Hawks should take a one year chance on just to fill a top six role, and he actually would have been really welcomed in this year. I mean, maybe it would have sheltered Pia Suter, so maybe it was kind of a good thing that he didn't come. But um, he makes the Hawks pay there, and it, it's a series of twos. Uh, it was his second goal, and there's nothing good about that goal because, as you said, it's inevitable. And even though the Hawks somehow managed to limp into overtime, it, it didn't feel good going to it. Mm-hmm. After that 2-2 uh, tie there, um, this is the first time we've had this all season, Ron. Uh, we knew it was coming, though. Once again, playing into our inevitable theme here, Shaw with, with an ill-advised cross-checking penalty on Cousins near the benches at the 11:46 mark. Uh, Hawks come up with a big kill there, though, uh, but that could easily have been one that, that cost them big time. So just wanted to point that out that, um, yeah, Shawzi, uh, as much as we love him and we love the heart, and he had been doing really well for the first six games. I will, will give him credit, and obviously he had the nice assist on the power play Golden Knight, uh, but the, those uh, instances where it happens, especially the juncture, the cru- crucial juncture after the game was tied, uh, Predators already have the momentum, uh, giving them even more so of that. Um, just the like I said, Ill- ill-advised time for that. So, um, And then, Ron, towards the end of this thing, uh, it was basically essentially just Keith Murphy and DeHaan, a few random others thrown in there, and Lucas Carlson uh, that you saw just for brief, small snippets with Keith uh, on instances. But um, th- that was how they had to roll down the stretch, and it was reflected in the ice time. Yeah, and I would like to uh, point out something that I think uh, fellow Four Feathers member 
Mr. Blackhawks D-Zone would agree with. Um, yeah, they really leaned heavy tonight on number one defenseman Connor Murphy. And yes, I said that. Because he played almost 28 minutes of ice time to Keith's 24 and a half minutes. So Iron Man Keith was second on the team. And as you mentioned, DeHaan kind of feeling like a Jalmerson of old in terms of where his role on this team is. I'm not saying caliber-wise. They're kind of two different players. A lot of the same traits, but, you know, he's stepping up. He's playing 22 minutes, you know, three and a half of that is shorthanded. And he's also getting you three blocks, and he's getting you two hits and a shot on goal, even though he was a minus one. So, you know, he's involved. He's in the play. You know, it's it's nice that they don't have to ride Keith anymore because I think it'll keep him fresh longer for the you know course of the season. Um, but they're leaning on number one defenseman Connor Murphy. I'm just going to leave that out there. I hope if you listen to this, please tweet me and let me know what you think about that because um, I would love to know your thoughts. Yeah, the NBC Sports Chicago crew had the, um, you know, kind of like buy or sell sort of thing on the pregame show. I forget exactly what they're, oh, it was deal or no deal. That's what they were playing. And that was basically a question that came up. Uh, They said most complete defensemen, though. That was how they phrased it in the pregame show. And everyone had those, like, okay, technically right now we'd go with Keith, but it was like the caveat of Connor Murphy being right there on the heels. So, yeah, and when you talk about usage here, Absolutely. Number one, I don't think that's um, I don't think that can be debated here, especially when you see ice time like that tonight. But I would go ahead and say um, you're getting more overall, though, from Keith, because Connor Murphy, as much as I love uh, when he does score and everything, he's not in his little spinorama last year in the playoffs against Vegas. That was sweet. But uh, he's not very um, – he just doesn't have the uh, build and makeup and uh, his hands for the offensive side of things. So when you're talking about that, getting involved, I guess I would still slot Keith um, up above there. But when you're going just defensive side, yeah, sure, uh, I can concede that and put Connor Murphy up there. But uh, overall, I'd probably still say Duncan Keith uh, is the one. He's also about you know 10 years older than him. So <laughs> let's yeah. uh, move on here to overtime. Like I said, this game uh, was tied 2-2 two to two after that uh, – Grandland shot that tied it up uh, in the middle of the third period. Uh, in the overtime, there was a good save early uh, by Subban on Forsberg, who has just a wicked shot. So uh, nice to see that. And then Kanan Yanmark had a little chance, but Rene uh, answered and made a good stop of his own. And after that, uh, interesting combination out there on Ian Mitchell, Patrick Kane, and Dylan Strom. Strom and Kane get tangled up uh, in their coverage assignment uh, as the Preds are, you know, kind of setting up their attack. And Yossi uh, goes one way. Strom wants Kane to follow him, uh, pointing with the stick. Probably should have just went and followed him himself. Not that he could have kept up uh, given his speed. But either way, Yossi drives to the net, blasts it past Malcolm Subban. 3-2 Predators. That's ball game. Uh, any final thoughts uh, on this one here? Um, I mean, one of them that I had was number one defenseman Connor Murphy. Um, another one I really like, Philip Kurashev. Um, I, I think, you know, again, it's probably at best in a third-line role on a really good team. But I think he's got some chances there to be maybe it's like a, a little bit of a Tomas Kopetsky-type player um, in terms of what he brings to the table and, you know, kind of the role he could develop into in this team uh, for the long term when they were winning, you know, Stanley Cups in the first one in 2010. So, um you know, there's some good stuff. I want to see Walmart back in. We need to we need to see our guy prove I know. Yeah. your your you know your theory that he's the best value signing in the entire NHL. 
Um, I just I feel like it was unfair. He's got three assists. Um, you know, he's looked decent. Him and Janmark seem to have a little bit of chemistry. Um, he and even Kuba leak to an extent. So get him back out there and, you know, let, let Soderberg sit, or maybe you let a guy like, uh, you know, I don't even know. I mean, maybe if he keeps doing stupid penalties, maybe Andrew Shaw sits for a game, or maybe you sit, you know, Highmore for a game. I was going to get into that with, um, you know, Highmore re-enters the lineup tonight. He was getting very, very low ice time uh, before he exited the lineup um, from last Wednesday and then over the weekend um, in favor of Brandon Hagel, uh, who had slotted in. And then obviously Carl Soderberg joined and bumped Walmart out of this mix. Uh, but Matt Highmore, another below 10, uh, 8.49 time on ice. Um, I'm sorry, getting the feeling that the Edmonton series last year uh, was just a little bit of a fluke. Um, and he got rewarded, you know, right place, right time thing uh, for uh, Matt Highmore here. I know Pat Comiskey probably won't like that, our fellow panelist here. But um, there's, I, I think the ice time d- dictates that because, um, you know, Brandon Hagel, guy who was in after Highmore, uh, when you're talking about priority in the lineup coming in here. Granted, it's only a little bit, you know, over a minute more, uh, but obviously Colleton doesn't trust Highmore enough uh, to, um, get him uh, up in, into even double-digit minutes here. So uh, I would like to see that in favor of Walmart because, hell, you, you could put Walmart on a wing, um, I think, especially with how yeah. I, I think a part of him going out, uh, despite the three assists, was some uh, low, uh, very low, uh, below what his career average is at face-offs. Um, he, he was down there, so I think Soderberg was brought in for some help there. Um, but if you're talking, you want more offensive flash, especially with the absences that we're going to get to, um, the most recent as of today, uh, as we preview this next game here, um, I would like to see Walmart back in too. But my other takeaways from the night, I, I got to give credit again where it's due. Malcolm Subban, uh, oh. granted, post helped him a couple times, but uh, hey, I, I've been hard on him, so I'll give him credit where it's due. Uh, pretty damn solid performance tonight, uh, given the level of play in front of him and how much time the Blackhawks spent in their own zone uh fourth line is hot that's spelled h-a-w-t right now um they're just doing it, even with the, like i said limited ice time but hey when they're out there they're making a difference and it's noticeable so uh and then brandon hagel and philip kershaw high motor guys um absolutely keep doing that they're going to get rewarded and people will start to notice them more uh than maybe you're absolutely dialed in hockey fan maybe the casual fan be like hey who's that number 38 hey who's that number 23 hey i need to know yeah. more about him so that's where I'm leaning towards this one. Uh, but overall, you just can't play in your zone that much. That is the last takeaway I have. So um, as I would mentioned, we're getting into some of this news here then. I uh, wanted to run through the recap first. But the Blackhawks were without some key pieces tonight in Adam Boquist and Alex Dabrinkit. And this is these are big losses, Ron, uh, both in COVID-19 protocol out at least two weeks, according to Jeremy Colleton. So that led to Lucas Carlson on the back end, slotting in for Boquist, Matthew Highmore up front. Um going to be opportunities for guys to get um, chances here because if they weren't afraid to, you know, go away from Highmore after the first three games or so, I would not, you know, they had a very similar performance to what he put on in those first three games. So I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, someone else enter the lineup uh, for him uh, in this second of the back-to-back here going against Nashville on Wednesday night. So um, uh, other than that, Scott Darling signed a PTO with the Rockford Ice Hogs. They have two goalies that are on the shelf right now. Uh, the other one, Matt Tompkins, uh, was the only other one on NHL contract, the only one down there on an NHL contract. So um, Darling back with the Hawks organization. Uh, see how it plays out there. He says he feels like he has some left in the tank, but either way, good to have some experience down there uh, for the Hogs. So um 
other than that, Ron, uh, I think we can get into the preview of this next game. Blackhawks at Predators, Wednesday, January 27th, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, NBC Sports Network, uh, national TV, once again here. Um, Predators tonight, um, 3-3-0 now uh, after this win against the Blackhawks. You know, luckily the Hawks picked up a point here tonight, um, but that uh, drops them, you know, another loss in that final uh, column uh, of those three there. So what are you looking forward to adjustments-wise going forward for Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, for Wednesday it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Obviously, I would expect to see Kevin Lankinen uh, return to the net, try to give the Hawks a fresh face in goal. Um, hopefully, can squeak out a win and they can you know get three or four points available uh, against these national predators um, over the course of the two games. You know, and then uh, just uh, you know, kind of piggybacking off of a point that you brought up, Johnny. Guys that are going to now have to step up and, and take advantage of Alex Debrinkett being out for two weeks. Um, I think that first first uh, line left wing it might be a rotational spot, you know, because it's whoever gets to play with Kane. Jan Mark was that guy tonight, and you know he, you know, cashed it home with a goal, and he's been putting up some points, like you mentioned. Uh, he looked to you know regain that offensive flair. He seems to have done some of that so far um, in this young season. So. Uh, maybe we see more Matthias Janmark. I think if maybe if he's quiet tomorrow night, we on Friday, I believe, is uh, when they play Columbus. You know, who knows? Maybe you'll see a Brandon Hagel up in a top left wing spot, uh, getting a look with Patrick Kane and see if he can cash in on an opportunity to, you know, like you said, step up when you're missing some key pieces. And then I think defensively, um, you know, I'm almost in the same notion with both of us. I mean, now that he's out, he's going to have to wait anyway. But with Ian Mitchell, maybe if you're not that confident in playing him, maybe you let him start the season with the Ice Hogs. Season, I believe, starts February 5th for the NA, or the AHL. Excuse me. So let him go down and, and work with them and play freely and not have to worry about you know being babysat. He's just going out there to develop and learn. I think do the same with Boakfast and maybe you let guys like Brent Seabrook when he's inevitably, hopefully, healthy from this back issue that he's dealing with. Um, maybe him and Lucas Carlson and, uh, and Lindholm, you get, you know, him off the taxi squad and those guys step up and rotate in on that bottom pairing. And then you just let the, the big four of, you know, Don, Zadarov, Keith and, and, and Murphy kind of do their thing most of the game. So kind of a little too forward looking with that, some of those statements, but, um, I think for tomorrow's game is does Janmark continue to step up and you know is Kevin Lincoln in net really a difference maker? You know does the team maybe feel more confident with him in the net so they aren't playing as conservative? Uh, Patrick Kane, a stat that I read to you before we jumped on. This is only the seventh time in 980 career games that he did not register a shot attempt. So it was a quiet night. Maybe is that a confidence thing where he feels he needs to step up and be a leader, maybe be a little more responsible than the flair offensively. Because Kevin Lincoln is not net. I'm intrigued to see that as well. I know that's kind of a spin zone on that idea. But um, I think the the biggest takeaway of what I'm watching for tomorrow, does Lincoln make a difference in the back of the net for this team from a confidence standpoint and then from a results standpoint? 
Ron, I honestly, I do think you will. Um, I was impressed with what I saw over the weekend, and uh, I'm excited for him to show it uh, against a little bit higher caliber opponent than the Detroit Red Wings. So I'll definitely be watching Lycanin as well. Um, I think Matthias Yenmark has uh, just over um, not just this pa- you know this past three game uh, goal streak. Um, I think it started out that he was a little bit uh, of the untrusted or unknown maybe to Jeremy Calton. Um, I think he's quickly grown in uh, to a trusted forward. So uh, I think you can expect him back up there uh, in that top spot uh, alongside there. And then um, my other thing is um, with these absences that we just mentioned here, um, your big guns got to step up. And basically with all the injuries that they have uh, that happened before any of this COVID stuff, I'm talking Kirby Doc, Jonathan Taves, um, you need Patrick Kane to step up in every single game. So, hey, fire away tomorrow, Kane, or I want to see that uh, you know shot on goal category, that shot attempt category approaching double digits. That's what I want to see, like a concerted effort to absolutely snap it off so uh, that's all i'll be looking for ron uh, give me a stick to click who's getting it done i could not put those out today i didn't get in contact with comiskey in time if everyone's wondering uh, we usually try to tweet them out comiskey had picked to brink it and i had not gotten uh, around to getting a new pick from him so i just let him go tonight um i kubalik for the record i think he did get an assist so i'll give myself a little half uh half ass point there um but uh, anyway ron uh, on to the next uh, what's your pick to click for wednesday night yeah, pick to click Wednesday night. I mean, I feel like uh, I have two options. Stick to click. Here, what I am think... I talking about? I'm not in white sauce mode here. Stick to That's click. Okay. Stick to click. Um, I have two here that I could probably lean. I could go conservative route, um, which is one player that I will address after I do actually make my pick. But I'm going to go the wild route. And I'm going to go ahead and pick Dylan Strom. I really think number 17's quietly had a very good season to this point. Uh, he had a goal tonight, obviously. He was 50% in the dot. Played almost 20 minutes, so clearly he's very trusted by Jeremy Colleton right now. He was, unfortunately, a minus two, so you don't love to see that, but so was Patrick Kane. So eh, it was kind of maybe just a bad night for the both of them because they weren't in sync um, during this one. But, you know, he's, he's had a quietly good season. He's got two goals already. I think he's already got three assists, so uh, five points. And this was tonight, what, sixth game of the season, uh, I believe, for the, the Hawks. The, you know, I, I expect Dylan Strom to bounce back, but my my safe pick would have been Kevin Lincoln because, like you said, I think he's really proving uh, that he's the the goalie of number one potential um, of the the three that are really kind of in the conversation right now for that number one job. So uh, I think thirty two is a, the safe pick, but I like I said, I'll go off the board and go number seventeen, Dylan Strom. All right. Uh, I like it. I actually, I, I like picking Strom because the assists, they come, they, they do, they come from Dylan Strom. So I, I like that. Obviously got rewarded with a goal on the power play tonight. So I always like a Dylan Strom pick, um, you know, depending on the crowd you're talking to, they might not. But uh, when you're talking to me, Ron, safe space for Dylan Strom picks here. <laughs> Comiskey. So, Comiskey. Yeah. Comiskey. Uh, all right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say a guy that will get rewarded for uh, his absolutely stellar, um, you know, work ethic is Philip Kershev. Um, and he just played too well tonight and it was not, you know, a factor on the stat sheet here. I uh, did play 1448, but he just works uh, hard enough and gets the right areas. You saw him drive from the corner to the front of the net on Sunday afternoon to score that final goal. I know it was kind of garbage times so when people might've been tuned out or not really as dialed in. Uh, everyone was all jacked up from Suter's hat trick and rightfully so, but he still made a really nice play there. 
played a very solid game again tonight. So uh, I'll go with Philip Kershev uh, getting rewarded. And it'll likely be a greasy goal because that is uh, probably uh, the type that he'll be scoring more often than not. So uh, I'll go with Philip Kershev. Hockey gods are going to reward you. That's my philosophy behind this pick. Greasy, greasy goals are cool and tough, Johnny. So I like it. I like the pick. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, we are just about done with this one. Once again, Blackhawks fall here on Tuesday, January 26th uh, to the Nashville Predators. Final score, 3-2 to in overtime. Tough one to swallow, but we'll be right back at it. A uh, chance to rectify it tomorrow night. National TV, 6.30 p.m. Central Time start on NBC Sports Chicago National TV. Before we send it out, Make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. And again, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review as well as subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. So, Ronald, um, tough one tonight, but hey, I like these back-to-backs because when you lose something like that, you just get hungrier for the next one. Now I'm already ready uh, to throw on the TV tomorrow night. So let's go and get a win uh, tomorrow night. Come back with three possible four points and another weekend home series uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets coming up. So get a little momentum uh, going into that one because that will be another tough test. So, Ron, let's close it. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.